Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, to grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The nature of man is to seek and destroy. The nature of God is to seek and rescue and restore. You understand? He restores us lovingly and gently. He restores us. We, we destroy. You know, in my house, I've got, we got a bunch of ants. And it seemed like every ant in Apex is in my kitchen. I, I am amazed. And, and you know, something about man, if we are more powerful and bigger than something, we want to crush them. So I'm standing at my kitchen sink. This happened this Friday, true story. I'm standing at my kitchen sink and I'm looking at those ants and I'm like, I'm feeling powerful. You ants, I could crush you all. You know, and, 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 and you, you know, what do you do when you, when you see a bug? What do you do? You, you kill it. I mean, when, when you kill it, I mean, it's kind of natural. You take off your shoe and you kill it. Or you just kill it with your hand. Ooh, that's gross. But you kill it. Because when we have power, we crush. God has power. He restores. A bruised reed, he shall not break. And a smoking flax, he shall not quench. Notice in verse 22 through 30. We got to move on. And then one, in verse 22, if you're there, say amen. And then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him. Jesus healed him. So that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed. They were put out of their minds. They couldn't believe it. And they said, could this be the son of David, which is a messianic term? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus, circled this, knew their thoughts. And he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me, in verse 30, is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Stop right there. We just read it in verse 15. A great multitude followed Jesus. And someone, we're not told who, but someone brought a man to him who had a spiritual and physical problem. 
Spiritually, the man was demon-possessed. Physically, the man was blind and mute. And Jesus exercised power over both realms as he healed the man, and the man saw, and the man spoke. And the people were amazed. And they began to wonder, could this be the son of David, which, as I told you, is a messianic title? But when the Pharisees heard it, notice that, they said, Jesus did this by the power of Beelzebub. Now, Beelzebub was a Canaanite god who was the ruler of the demons. So some of the people said, this is the son of David, giving him a messianic title. And the Pharisees said, no, they're saying the antithesis of that, as a matter of fact. They're saying, no, what he is doing is by the power of the devil. It's a demon. Now, let me just say, and let me just interject right here, if you will. Christians cannot be demonized, demon-possessed, or invaded by a demon. If you know that, say amen. Good. Because there's so much teaching out there that teaches that Christians can be demon-possessed in some way. Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Christians will never need to have a demon exercised from them, although many people believe Christians can. This is unscriptural. The Bible does not teach that. And I've heard people trying to exercise or heard of people trying to exercise demons out of Christians because they have some besetting sin. So they got a sin in their life or a problem in their life that they just can't seem to get rid of. And so they go to a deliverance service to seek to have a demon delivered or or, or cast out of them. And so if you have the demon of nicotine, if you cast it out, you won't want cigarettes anymore. If you have the demon of chocolate out of which I can't, you know, you cast it out. And you won't want chocolate anymore, which maybe I should add right here that chocolate satisfaction from Harris Teeter is the greatest of all satanic temptations. (laughs) Evil beyond all belief. But everything is a demon. You understand what I'm saying. Everything is a demon. You've got the demon of hate, the demon of anger, the demon of lust, the demon of fear. And on and on and on. Listen, the Bible doesn't call this demon possession. The Bible calls this a work of the flesh. And you, that's a whole other sermon we don't have time for today. But if you, if these are works of the flesh or besetting sins, then there's a way to deal with that. But it doesn't mean you have a demon because you're walking in the flesh. And so, Jesus in our text, he's casting out demons. But they say, by the power of Satan. And notice this, I like that. Jesus knew their thoughts. They didn't tell him that. But because he's God, he knew their thoughts. You know what? He knows your thoughts. We think we're hiding from God. Oh, don't think it because we don't want God to hear it. You're fooling yourself. The reality is you need to be honest with God because he already knows your thoughts. Amen, saints? He already, you're just kidding you. You fooling yourself. God knows exactly where you are, a broken reed and a smoldering flax. He won't quench. He knows where you are. So Jesus knew their thoughts because he always knows our thoughts. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, your accusation is absurd and it's inconsistent. He says absurd because even Satan won't allow his forces to fight against each other because he would destroy his own kingdom. 
and it's inconsistent. Notice Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the power of Satan, then who do your sons cast them out by? Now, we know from history that Jewish people had exorcist. They believed in it and they practiced it. And we also know not only from history, but get this, from the Bible. Acts chapter 9. This is a great, great, uh, 19. Great, great story. Read it in your own time. Acts chapter 9, I'll tell you about it. There's these guys. And they are seven sons. They are known in Acts 19 as the seven sons of a Jewish priest by the name of Sceva. And these seven boys were messing around with demonology. They weren't Christians. They were not filled with the spirit. They were using the name of Jesus like magic. And so they said, they come up to this one guy. This story is hilarious. They come up to this one guy who has a demon. And they say to him, they say, we cast you out in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. And I'm sure, you know, if I I had been a fly on the wall, you know, they, they probably were just cracking up. They looked at this guy. He's like, we cast with, with the seven boys. You know, maybe they said it in unison in seven. You know, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. The demons looked at, at them and answered them and said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? <laughs> now, it would be at that point, it doesn't matter who I am. I'm out of here. <laughs> if demons start speaking back at you, one word, Run. I mean, just a hysterical story. And the demons came out of the man and jumped into the boys and they ran off naked and cutting themselves. But what does that teach us? Two things. Number one, here it is, deep theology. Don't be messing around with demons. Amen, saints? Don't be messing around with demons. I've told you once, I'll tell you a thousand times. I love this. Greg Laurie says this, and I agree 100%. When demons come knocking at my door, he said, I say, Lord, would you get that? <laughs> you see what I mean? When demons come to you, we, you know what? We just ask Jesus to just stand in the middle and stand in the gap between us. Don't be messing around with demons, number one. And the second thing it teaches us is you can't be preaching the Jesus that your mom and your dad preaches. You say, well, you know, my, my grandparents, you know, we got a legacy in our, in our family. We got all kind of preachers. Everybody's a preacher. My grandmama was a preacher. My daddy was a preacher. My daddy's daddy was a preacher. My daddy's daddy, 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 daddy before that was a preacher. I got all preachers in my family. That's good. Praise God for your legacy. But do you know the Lord? Are you a Christian? Will I go to church? No, 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 no. I'm not asking you. Are you a Christian? Somebody once said it like this. God doesn't have any grandkids, just sons and daughters. Amen just sons and daughters. Do you know him? So Jesus' point is this. He says, look, it's ridiculous. It's inconsistent. Here's the point. They accepted the exorcism attempted by their sons, but rejected his power over demonic forces and his ability to heal. And they accused him of working for Satan. And so Jesus says, listen, that is absurd and ridiculous, and it's inconsistent. Notice in verse 28 in your Bibles, he then tells them exactly where his power comes from. Do you see it? He gets it from the spirit. 
If Jesus did his work by the spirit of God, then his work was the work of God. And he was the son of God, the Messiah. And if he is really the son of David, then the kingdom of God has come upon them. And then he asked a question in verse 29. How can a man enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man? So Satan is the strong man. And in order for his kingdom to be invaded, in order to plunder Satan's kingdom... He would have to be stronger than Satan to bind him. Are you getting this? Jesus is simply saying, I am stronger than the devil. He's stronger than the devil. And we know that Jesus is stronger than the devil because over and over and over and over again, Jesus bound Satan and plundered his house. He healed the sick. He cleansed the leper. He even raised the dead. So Jesus plundered Satan's plans. Jesus invaded his house. Jesus walked all over Satan and Satan was powerless to do anything about it. And so Jesus is more powerful than Satan. That's why we as Christians, we don't have to spend time talking to Satan and rebuking Satan and all of these things that go on because all we need to say is, Lord, I realize that you are more powerful than the devil. Therefore, God, I ask for you to come and stand in between me and my situation or me and whatever Satan is doing. Father Jesus, may you come and get the victory as you always do because you are more powerful than the devil. That's what he's saying. And I love that. And it takes the pressure off of me. And then notice in verse 30, Jesus says, if you're not with me, you are against me. Now, let me say something to you right here. Very, very important. If you have been asleep for all of the sermon up till now, now would be the time to wake up. Okay, now would be that time. Say amen if you're awake. Okay, that's half of y'all, but that's pretty good. All right. All right. Now, now listen, this is very, very, very simple here. Very simple. Jesus says, if you're not with me, then you're against me. In other words, here it is. You don't have to oppose Jesus to be against him. You only have to not be with him to be against him. You see, some people say, well, I don't oppose Jesus. I have no problems with Jesus. Some people say a little liberalism, a little Jesus, little new age, little Jesus, little Harry Krishna, little Jesus. I mean, Jesus is good. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. Some people say Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. You know that, right? So some some people, they don't have a problem with you. I got no problem with Jesus. I got no problem with the big kahuna. You know, the big kahuna, the man upstairs, I got no problem with him. Well, see, that's not good enough. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ causes every single person to come to a decision. Unlike any other book ever written, you must make a decision. Jesus says, if you're not with me, then you're against me. And if you're not gathering, then you're scattering. In other words, you don't have to oppose Jesus to be against him. You only have to not be with him. And if you are not with Jesus, you are against him. If you're not gathering with him, you're scattering. You can't sit on the fence. The gospel causes you to make a decision. Now notice in verse 31 and 32 in your Bibles. These are very hugely important verses. Remember I told you now is the time to wake up. Verse 31. Notice if you're there, say amen. Amen. Therefore. Would you circle that word? Therefore. I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the spirit 
will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him in this age or in the age to come. Now, these verses are so important that we need to read them again. So important. Look at it again in verse 31. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against Jesus himself, the son of man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him in this life, nor when you die, the age to come. Hugely important for you to understand. Listen and listen close. Remember, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know. When you see the word therefore, help me out. When you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Very good. And the word therefore in our text is referring to the Pharisees who said, Jesus is healing by the power of the devil. And they're rejecting him. Therefore, every sin will be forgiven except the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say something to you before we get into this. Our God, and I want you to know this. Our God is a God who forgives. Amen, saints? We all know that. We serve the character and the nature of God is that of forgiveness. Many scriptures from cover to cover. Maybe you might want to look these up in your own time. Psalm 86 verse 5 talks about God's forgiveness. Psalm 103, verse 3, talks about God's forgiveness. Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, talks about God's forgiveness. One of my favorite verses is in Exodus 34, verse 6 through 7, and it says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, for iniquities, forgiving iniquities, and transgressions, and sins. We serve a forgiving God. Our God forgives. And through his grace and through his mercy, Jesus forgives every and all types of sin. Do you know, heaven is filled with forgiven homosexuals. Heaven is filled with forgiven murderers. Forgiven adulterers and perverts of all description, God even forgives the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. How do you know that, Rodney? Well, because I'm looking at a room full of Christ rejectors. We were all Christ rejectors at one point. I remember the day somebody came up to me and said, hey, would you like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I said, nah, I don't need that. That ain't for me. I don't need that. I got a life to live. I'm too young. I'll do it when I get old. Y'all remember saying that too. You know, when I'm old, you know, I always like to think about that. It's like, you know, you want to give your life to Christ when you get old. It's like, okay, now when I have nothing to do, no energy and no strength or whatever, then I'll give my life to Christ or something. That's not good. You should give your life to Christ the moment the Holy Spirit reveals it to you that you need him. Amen, saints? Not when you do it now. But we all had our day when we rejected him. But then we all had our day in which we said, somebody said to you, hey, would you like to receive Christ? And you said, 
Yeah, man, I need the Lord. I need God to come into my life. Oh, good, let's pray together. And you receive him in your life. You see, at one point you were a Christ rejecter, but then you received him. Therefore, we know every sin, even rejecting Christ, will be forgiven. But the Bible says the sin or the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit won't be forgiven in this world or the world to come. In other words, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will never be forgiven. Never. When God says never, it's different than when we say never. When we say never, we kind of mean not this week. You know, I'll never forgive you. I'm never, well, well, not now. Okay? When God says never, it's like written in granite. It is granite. It's stone. Never means never. Now, when God says that you will never be forgiven of the blasphemy in the Holy Spirit, because God is saying never, this is something that you need to pay attention to. Because God says you will never be forgiven if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So what is it, Rodney? Well, the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is also known as the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin. And simply this. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the repeated refusal after examining all the evidence you have determined and you are determined and defiant not to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's as simple as that. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is time and time again, you refuse to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting and calling and compelling you and saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And you say, you know what? I don't care. Shut up, God. Talk to the hand. I'm not interested. If you continue to do that, notice it says you won't be forgiven of this in this age. That means that you will not be, what happens is if you you continue to reject the Holy Spirit, you come to church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and God is trying to call you and God is trying to get your attention, but you say, no, I don't need that. Do you know every time you hear the gospel and reject it, listen and listen close, every time you hear the gospel and reject it, your heart becomes harder and harder and harder and harder. And after a while, a callus builds up over your heart. So then you are not even capable of receiving Christ as your savior. You're not capable of calling out to him because your heart has gotten so hard. This is what has happened to Pharaoh. You know the story. So then you won't be forgiven in this age because your heart is so hard you'll never cry out to him. Nor will you be forgiven in the age to come. That means that when you die, there is no purgatory. No one can pray you out of purgatory. No one can light enough candles to get you out of purgatory so that you can be forgiven and be escorted into heaven. That's not going to happen. So you can't be forgiven of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in this age or the age to come. And that's why the Bible says when you hear the voice of God, listen, when you hear the voice of God, God, harden not your heart as some do. Because Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. And when he is knocking, it is very important that you respond immediately, that you can call out to God in that moment and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Because every time you put it off, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. Christians cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. 
And someone once came to me and said, you know, Pastor Rodney, I'm, man, I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I know it, man. I know I'm just hard, man. I blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm really sad. I blaspheme. And I said, well, well, what makes you say that? Oh, man, I just know I did. And they said, you know, have I? And I said, no. No, you haven't. They said, how do you know? I said, because you care. You care that you're being insensitive to the Spirit. See, if you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit and your heart is that hard and you are incapable of crying out to God, you're not going to care. You'll feel just like you felt, you know, when you're, not a, when you're not born again, you didn't care about God. You didn't care about God. You didn't care about the things of God. You just went on with your life. You didn't care. So if a person thinks they blaspheme the Holy Spirit and they're concerned about it, then they haven't. But that is the time to say, God, I need you. God, I want you. Lord, come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if you do that and you cry out to him, God says, if you come to me, I'll no way cast you aside. God won't put you aside. But today, you need to do it. There is an urgency to do it today. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.